0: You want the consumer problem, but often you have to be adaptable for the insight and the solution, single minded proposition, to change a little bit as well when the rubber meets the road.
1: Hi, I'm Darren Woolley, founder and CEO of Trinity P3 Marketing Management Consultancy. And welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. For more than a decade, procurement have been working on ways to reduce marketing and advertising costs. One of the main focus has been reducing agency fees. That became a futile race to zero, ensuring that agency margins were squeezed. Of course, there was a more effective solution, perhaps not an easier way to improve advertising and marketing outputs and effectiveness, while at the same time reducing waste. That is by improving briefing, the way clients brief their agencies and how agencies develop creative briefs for themselves. Please welcome to Managing Marketing Podcast, the strategy principal of Strategy Finishing School, Julian Cole. Welcome, Julian.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to have a chat about this subject, having, uh, yeah, seen, seen the difference that briefing can make and how it can either speed up time or, or kind of clog everything up. So uh, hopefully I can come with a couple of insights around it.
1: So, Julian, uh, strategy finishing school, I mean, I, it reminds me of those 50s movies where the young woman of the house was sent off to Europe to be finished. Uh, yeah. Is it similar but a very different focus?
0: So I guess the finishing school, you, you've picked up on it there, is something that I think relates to strategist is that often strategy is seen more as kind of an appre- apprenticeship rather than a profession. Because if we think about like accounting, you kind of have to sit the CPA and then you're a certified uh, accountant. Whereas with strategy, it's kind of more like an apprenticeship. You you don't have that uh, certification. You kind of just get thrown into the role. And what I realized was my um, career was very similar to a lot of other strategists' career where they were self-taught. So I started out in Sydney um, working at Naked Communication, then went to some smaller agencies, the Population and TCO. And in all of those agencies, I was self-taught. I made the move to New York and worked at BBDO and kind of stepping in those doors, I got a massive wave of imposter syndrome because I I was, wow, I'm at, you know, one of the best strategy agencies in the world. And here I was a self-taught strategist. I'm, I felt like a fraud. And I think what I realized was, that I needed help. So I went and told my boss after a year of trying to hide it and pretend that I knew what I was doing. I went to him and said, hey, I actually have never had that kind of foundational training. And I was able to get that foundational training in strategy and learn the fundamentals. And unfortunately for a lot of strategists, they don't get that opportunity. They're thrown into the role and they've just got to learn while doing. And so for me, I realized that there was a real massive need um for that. And and I was fortunate enough after that time at uh BBH. I went on to head up communications planning at BBH and then also at BBDO. And I saw that was the same problem there. And then when I went into consulting, uh, there was also this was the same story over and over again. I worked at kind of Apple, Facebook, um, Disney, and there was strategists coming to me saying, We're actually being self-taught. And that's when I started actually teaching strategy. I'd I'd done a Skillshare course about 10 years before that, but I realised, okay, there's something bigger here and I've started teaching strategy, those fundamental skills. So that's where the the finishing school comes from is for those people who are in the role, it's not for people who are, you know, starting their career. it's not kind of a ward school, it's for people a little bit further on to give them those fundamentals so they can keep going.
1: It's really interesting because, uh, you know, I think you're right in the same way that creativity, you know, people that are creative often don't do a creative course. You know, it's almost like you have a natural attribute which draws you to that particular field. The same with strategy. And that's why, as you were expressing that, I was thinking about all the different strategists that I've worked with over the years and all of the different pathways they took to get there. You know, some had been lawyers, some had done metallurgy, you know, others had worked in all sorts of odd jobs, but there was just something about their approach, the way of thinking, you know, the, the ability, yeah you know, the, the same thing that um, creative people have, the curiosity, but then also the ability to strip away the superfluous and get to the core of things. were well, all our natural attributes, which I don't think it's possible to teach, but you kept referring to it as the sort of foundational skills. There are foundational skills that are needed, aren't there?
0: There, there definitely is fundamentals, and... and Uh, I I think you're right with um, the the two skills that are really important, which is curiosity and kind of stripping back the information and and making it as clear as possible and translating, you know, business into creativity and then creativity back to business. But when we talk about um, the fundamentals, we're talking about things like, can you define what a strategy is, a creative brief, which we'll talk about, and, and an insight. And to me, you need to have a really clear understanding and and, um, of what strategy is. So for me, I I think a strategy is is kind of created of three things, which is a goal, um, a problem and a solution. So there's obviously something standing in your way of the goal and not everyone's familiar with what the goal is or what the problem is or what the solution is. And so it's your way around them. And then when we come to creative strategy, I call it the, I've got a model called the nested strategy, because when we write it, it's one, one strategy on a page. It's one page. And what you have is on the outside is the business problem and the business goal. And then inside of that is the consumer problem and the consumer goal. And then inside that is the insight and single-minded proposition. And you can get that down to one page. Um, That's what you need because you need to get to that really clear articulation. Too often you see those 68 slide decks saying, oh, this is the strategy, but they won't point to the one slide, which is the strategy. So being able to do that is of um, ultimate importance to me.
1: Yeah, Julian, God forbid a brief brief. Yeah, you know, getting yes. it down to one page, and and look, the number of times, you know, I've had conversations with marketers and asked about what what's the marketing strategy, and they'll pull out the you know four hundred page document that was prepared for them by one of the big consulting firms, and I go, yeah, I don't have time to read that. What's the strategy? Yep. Yeah, yeah. What is speak. the solution? <laughs> and I love the fact because I think it's um it was really well articulated in good be- brief back. No, good strategy, bad strategy. Yeah. And and the focus should be on clearly articulating and deciding what the core problem is because it's really there that the strategy comes from. Once you really intimately understand and agree what that core issue is, it opens up all the opportunities.
0: A hundred percent. And for me there's a really interesting dynamic that's probably quite interesting to you. Um, to the audience is, is the difference between what I I see as a marketing brief or an advertising brief and the creative brief. Because in my eyes, they're not the same thing. And it comes down to a different problem um, and a different goal. So for me, the marketing and and we need to, you know, there is so much language difference here. So you've got to be able to translate it into your own um, organization or, or whatever you call this, but the brief that you're handing to the agency, to me, that is the 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 client brief, the advertising brief and the marketing brief. And to me, the focus of that is it's always written from the business perspective. You need to sell in internally, be that the finance department, be that the product department, anyone else, marketing department, that's you selling the need for advertising and, and the Creative agency gets that and that's written from the business perspective and the problem is written from the marketing problem that we're dealing with. Whereas the creative brief, the creative brief is written for one audience, which is the creative team, and the problem is written from the consumer's perspective. And we're we're kind of, I'm probably jumping the gun a little here, but the the brief that I always used, um, which was kind of the workhorse and, and most creatives know this, it was used at BBDO, was the get who to buy brief, which is a fill in the blanks. It, it's one page, so you've got to be brief. It's get, and then you insert the target audience, who, um, the consumer problem, to the consumer goal by this um, kind of single-minded proposition. I'll, I'll give you an example because I think it's always easier to see an example. One that we're probably Sorry, all, I, that yeah.
1: was completely clear to me. Okay, uh, yeah great. sure for, for, no I, I, and it also for the first time articulates one of the things that i hear a lot from marketers and that is i don't know why i go to so much trouble they don't actually talk like that but let me yeah. pretend I, I don't know why i go to so much trouble uh we're putting all that effort into the brief only to have the agency go and change it all now yeah. it's because no one has clearly articulated the the very fundamental distinction that you gave then which is of course their brief is going to be from the business problem and the marketing problem yeah. and that the role of the agency is then to make sure that that's reframed from a consumer's perspective because otherwise you end up with what is often referred to as the factory out perspective rather than the customer in perspective right
0: Yes, correct. And I, I always say, if your creative brief ever holds the words "increase awareness" or anything around awareness, it, the 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 alarm bells are going off, and you should be saying this is not a creative brief because no consumer ever has been going, "I need to be more aware of your product." They're not sitting at home and thinking, <laughs> oh, "I really need to be more aware of PlayStation's new, you know, console." Yeah. So. That's always a good one. I always say just if you ever see awareness in a brief, you know that it's not going to be a great brief to start with.
1: Well, we saw some research that uh, got a lot of publicity around better briefing, you know, and and marketers self-assessed themselves as being 80% of them said they were really good at briefing mm-hmm. and agencies said that only 10% of their clients were really good at briefing, which is this huge gap. But what you've just articulated probably explains a lot of that because if an agency is taking the client's brief and then trying to work to that with a creative solution, Mm. then it's not going to be seen as a great brief. But if the agency is rewriting the client brief with that new framing, then, of course, that number would be much higher. Likewise, marketers do get really frustrated by what they are told is the return brief because I don't think it's ever articulated to them that what we're doing is providing a consumer or customer perspective, an audience perspective on it, which they feel like the agency is duplicating their work.
0: Yeah, I think there's, there's a level of probably education and I used to do this thing when I was at BBDO, which was creating almost like the Rosetta Stone, you know, which translated, you know, the Egyptian into the Greek. Well, what I would do would be sit down with the media agency and the client and say, hey, here's all the terms we're going to start using. Big idea, insight, um, the communications framework. And here's a very clear definition of what every single one of them means. Because I would often go and have these fights with the, um, media agency, they'd be saying, we do the comm strategy and we'd be talking about two different documents. And I think the same is true on the client side. If we had that meeting at the start saying, here's all what the terms we use within inside our organization, which we'd love you to translate whatever you use um, when you're talking about a creative brief or a marketing brief. Um, that would, that solves so many problems. And I, I, I only learned that from um, having some really bad experiences that I realized that was a really important um, step to do the kind of Rosetta Stone at the very start of a relationship of is how we define everything. Or um, if you, you are the client looking at agencies, put that slide at the very end of your presentation or, or put it as an attachment in the appendix because that that's going to really help your creative agency be able to translate back and the job of the strategist Translating creativity into the business side or the marketing side, it's really going to help there. Trinity P3.
1: One of the reasons I started Trinity P3 was I was sitting there last millennium as a creative director at J. Walter Thompson, which has since passed on to the other side of the advertising land. And... um, because I, 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 I have a science background, I'm not sure if you, uh, you're aware of that, but I was sitting there watching the agency, this, this building full of really passionate, um, uh, you know, fun-loving, hardworking people going round and round in circles, doing iteration after iteration, change after change on ideas and concepts and executions, largely until they either ran out of time, money or both. And I kept thinking, you know, from a science point of view, there must be a better way. Look, I understand that there's a certain amount of iteration that happens in refinement, but it almost felt like a huge amount of wastage was that no-one was very clear up front what they needed. And it was only later that I was having conversations and some marketers would say to me, look, I largely used the brief to test out the, the agency to test my own thinking, you know, that that the briefing process isn't something that I brief you and you come back with the solution to my problem. It's me testing out do I know what the problem is by seeing the solutions over and over again until I see something I like. And I thought that's just such a hugely wasteful and largely destructive attitude to take to that process.
0: Yeah, I think to me it's... That it's really interesting because I've got a little bit of, I have sympathy for it, uh, that that perspective because we would love to think that we, um, and we can write a creative brief, the strategist can write a creative brief the first time, knock it out of the park and it's never going to get beaten. But what I've realized with, when and, and this is a bit behind the curtains of what actually happens in the agency, and you'll probably r- remember this, is the best strategist, the briefing, the creative briefing that we run is not the main event for us. The main event is what we call the pre-briefing. And what that is, is a meeting that we have with the creative director, be it 50% or 75% of the way through the strategy process, which is taking the client brief and turning to a creative brief. And we share with them our creative, uh, our creative briefs, where they are, rough drafts. And we work with the creative director at that stage to, to ask, hey, which one do you think, this is at least what I did at BBDO and BBH, which one do you think is going in the right direction, which is what you could, what is, which brief can you work with? And what's most interesting to you here out of the consumer problems, the, the consumer goals, what do you want me to go on research? And we have to go, and once we have a hunch, we have to go back and validate that that's the right path we have to go down. But strategy is subjective. There's multiple ways to get to the answer.
1: Um, no, no, and in fact, and, um, Julian, if, yeah. if it's a good strategy, it already yeah. lends itself to multiple solutions, you know. One yes. of the things that uh, cracks me up is the people that think that they have a good strategy because it automatically defines a direction. Yeah. And the problem with that is it's probably not a strategy it's probably just a solution, a solution that they've missed yeah. the part of the process that says you know that here's the problem and this is where the objective now yeah. what is the best path there because you know most people forget strategy actually came from uh, from military campaigns as a discipline you know and and yeah. in the 80s sun tzu's art of war was the re- redefined book of strategy but yeah. it was about solving a problem the objective was yeah. winning the war the problem yeah. was limited or or resources yeah and and an enemy to overcome you know and yeah. so the strategy was always the one that would ensure highest chance of victory now yeah. that's a problem solution scenario all we've yes. done is now applied it to all aspects of business and even life.
0: correct. And 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 I think like a good war, it probably, you know, I think the Mike Tyson's quote is everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. It's <laughs> similar to a creative brief. It needs a bit of it needs to hit a bit of the road. And I think a creative director has got enough experience to work out if if there's something in this that we can actually use. And so that's one of the biggest things that for me is is that pre briefing meeting and and you think about like all some of the the best campaigns we talk about like from BBDO. If you look at the Snickers work, you're not you when you're hungry. The the actual Fantastic. Fantastic um, work. the actual line, and I, I would say I would even um, reach to say the insight came out of the um, came from the copywriter. Um, and it was the creative director, Dave Lubars, saw it and he said, that's it. That's the line. We rebrief that, like BBDO re that in, um, once we had hit that line. And so for me, I often think, as we were saying at the very beginning, you want the consumer problem, but often you have to be adaptable for the insight and the solution, single-minded proposition to change a little bit as well when the rubber meets the road. And I think that's the honest truth about it. It's, and I worked at Diageo, on Diageo for a while, and they had gone through six months of saying, we're going to lock this whole creative brief in, um, before we even start doing any work. And, um, that's going to be, uh, how we do this process. And after six months, they realised that they needed to see creative ideas to see if the creative brief could work. And we actually adapted the process and realised it actually needs to have a little bit of a creative injection before we just have a straight, plain, you know, strategy that's never being battle-tested out in the world.
1: Look, and, uh, you know, it completely rings true to me because really the only thing that doesn't change is the objective. Yes. Everything else, everything else has to be explored before you can actually set what your strategy is. Yeah. I just want to go back to this idea of you know sharing it and in, in, you called it the pre-briefing. Yeah. Know, one of the other things is that I've always been told and always believe that a great creative brief is inspiring. Yeah. Now, not aspirational, but inspiring. It inspires ideas. And I'm wondering whether part of it is also an opportunity for you as a strategist to really get to see how well it resonates because i think part of what you'll be looking for is does it does a particular brief or direction automatically stimulate lots of ideas because i think that's always a great measure if you're on to a terrific consumer insight it all will automatically make people, you know. So the other thing is, no one has a mandate on having an insight, do they?
0: No, there's no there's no mandate on it. But if we, if you kind of take that term insight, like and let me and let me define how I I think about it, which is, it's a revelatory truth that shows you a new way around the problem. So in that, we've got a couple of things. The first one is. It's, it's got to address a consumer problem, which we're asking for. And then the revelatory truth is actually the bit that's probably resonating with what you're saying the most to you. It's got to be a truth. So it's got to be true. We can't be making out facts. But the revelatory thing is the really important thing. A revelatory, it's got to be a revelation. It's got to have a response in you. There was a social scientist in the 1950s, Arthur Kosler who said a... Um, a comedian will hear an insight cause comedians deal in insights too. They'll say, ha, and a artist will see an insight and they'll say, ah, and then um, a scientist will say, aha. And that is what you want from the creative director. When we present a, um, an insight or a revelation, a new way of looking at the problem, you want to see that response in the creative director. You don't want them to just be nodding their head. That's a truth. Oh, you know, 68% of mums are overworked. Yeah. I, yeah. That's a uh-huh. nodding in my head. I agree with that. That's not a, a revelation. And so that is often what we're looking for is that revelatory truth that makes you look at something in a new way. And I'll, I'll give you an example of what I think an sure. insight is. So I was working on, uh, a competitor to Roomba and, um, that we, we just saw in an Amazon review um, for Roomba was someone said, Roomba is like my drunk roommate trying to clean. And to me, that was an insight. And even and even hearing you now, Darren, you, you, you get that kind of response because it's a revelatory truth because you're like, oh my God, you're right. Roomba just goes around the room in this sporadic way, <laughs> kind of like going from side to side and it's got no, it doesn't seem to be very logical. And so there's this, there's also an inherent tension because we think robots, we think super smart, the opposite of a robot is probably your drunk roommate. Um, so there's this inherent tension releasing there. And the thing is, is that this competitor to Roomba, one of their features that they had was GPS tracking, they GPS track your room and then they would, do it in a very logical way, and so that inherently, um, you know, unlocked a problem for uh, yeah. both the consumer and the business. It kind of unlocked both by kind of giving that insight, a new way of looking at the problem, a new way of looking at Roomba, and so that that is what we're often looking for as strategists: is that revelation. Trinity P
1: three. There is a big difference, isn't there, between a observation or a data point and an actual insight because, as you say, it is that moment, that aha moment where, you know... In, and often one of the things that drives me crazy is that insight and, and often big ideas, as soon as they're created or as soon as they're expressed, many people in the room will go, oh, that's obvious. But up until that very point it wasn't obvious. Do you know, yeah. at that point of creation, that point of articulation of an insight and an idea, people will go post that, oh, yeah, but, you know, that was so obvious. And it's like, okay, so why didn't someone else think of it?
0: Yeah. And th- and that's the hard thing that we deal with as strategists. It sounds, it, it's got to sound dead simple. And I think that's when we think of um, comedians, that's what they're doing, isn't it? Because you hear a joke and you say, that is, oh, it's funny because everyone has that human revelation. Like the actual structure of a joke is um, a one-liner is set up the expectation. Everyone thinks we're going this way. Everyone's on board because they relate to that and then go the other direction, then hit them with the insight, which is the revelation of a new way of looking at the problem. And so for strategists, it's often another area we look for insights because these are people are already kind of finding that tension that exists. And, and I think also insights are very temporal as well. They only last for a little bit of time. If you think of like the most interesting man in the world campaign for Dos Equis, uh, that was great. The insight that sits under that is the most boring insight we've ever heard now, which is, uh, we value experiences more than products now, 14 years on you, you'd die if you heard that as your insight, um, to your creative brief, cause everyone hears it, but at the time. It's a new way of looking at the world. Trinity P3.
1: Now, what I like about the distinction you created at the very start of this about the client brief being from the business perspective and the creative brief from the consumer's perspective is that it then becomes quite a powerful tool for presenting ideas because you can frame the idea from the consumer's perspective. And then I guess there is quite a strong requirement to link that back to the business requirement, isn't there? Yes. You know, you need to make that that connection between, you know, here's your business problem, here's the marketing opportunity that you want to leverage or whatever, but here's what the consumer's actually thinking, how does that link back? That must also be quite a challenge sometimes.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the role of the strategist is to connect that dot and make sure those dots are are the strongest it can be. And that's where the strategy on a page really helps because to me, the strategy on a page, it's almost like a creative brief in the middle, which is the consumer problem, consumer goal, single-minded proposition and insight. But on the outside, you've connected the dot of the business problem and the business goal. What's the problem we're facing and the goal? Where do we want to get to, and there has to be a connective tissue between the two of them. So that's often our our job. So another an, another great example that I love was um, the Spotify example. Listen like you used to campaigns. I don't know if you remember these mm-hmm. from a couple of years ago, but the the big thing for them was that Gen Xers weren't listening. Um, were the biggest spenders in money on, uh, music related items, but they weren't buying streaming services. This is, um, 2019. So they were spending the most, and this was the most valuable target for Spotify that they were going after. But that, you know, Gen Xer who listens to a lot of music doesn't care about that fact. So what they realized was they worked off the insight or the problem which kind of linked into the problem was when you turn 34, you start listening to more old music than newer music. So that's the year you kind of feel like you're out of out of touch with the world. And so their whole campaign was actually showing, you know, the world's cyclic the fashion is cyclical, culture is cyclical, um, and had all these amazing lines like Spice Girls were on tour and um, 1999, 2019 Spice Girls are on tour, or you used to be two to four hour, a uh, 24 hour party people to two to four hour party people. So right. all these great creative lines around London that they had, but they were able to tap into that feeling and that problem that Gen X's were feeling of uh, just feeling like disconnected from where culture was and showing, Hey, we actually have the music on here that you want. So they did such a good job of, Okay, the data is showing us the business problem is we're not getting Gen X's. And then it was able to be flipped and shown the consumer problem is this massive, you know, crisis that they go through of now I feel uncool. I used to be the cool person who had had all the great music recommendations. Now music feels like it's leaving me behind. They were able to un- unlock that and that unlocked the business problem. So they were able to connect the business and consumer problem together.
1: You know that's actually a biological insight because it occurs in all mammals wow. that there is a natural change in mammal behaviour between infant, child and sort of adolescent and then adult and as all mammals age they become risk adverse. In humans, that expresses itself. So you're talking about listening to new music, trying raw fish, sushi, um, getting a tattoo, all of these things. It's a natural uh, human mammal response to ageing because it's part of what makes you survive. You can be risky as a child and adolescent, but if you survive into adulthood, you then start to think, oh, hang on, life is precious. I better shut down and only do the things that, you know, I know are safe. Wow. And, see and so that, you've just blown it, my mind there. Yeah. You've put the insight,
0: you've you've reframed the insight bigger than I, I originally <laughs> even thought. Wow. Lovely.
1: So so and, and, and it's interesting because um, human beings are the only mammals that constantly re evolve and change their environment. So we're actually ended up with a culture that works against the natural process of aging. You know, it was why my mother never learned how to program a VCR because she got to a certain point in her life she just didn't want to know about that because it was yeah. risky and different and you know and the same thing's happening and it, it means that as humans we have to embrace change or age and become you know, normally age and become irrelevant. It's just a yeah. it's a whole fascinating area of uh, biological psychology but it also is based in physiology as well. Yeah. But anyway, I don't I, I divert from our conversation. There's one thing that always, um, Julian, always interests me, and that is how everyone everyone seems to have their own briefing template. Yeah. And it's invariably some sort of Word document that has lots of sections and what everything to fill in here. It largely Now, I have two problems with it, but I yeah. want to get your perspective. The first is it often feels when it's completed, it's a bit like a tombstone. You know, it has all the facts but about the person's life, but nothing that makes me feel like I know who they are. And secondly, that it often forces people to fill it in without actually thinking about it as you would, you know, your tax file form or something like that. You know, just I've just got to get it done and, and get it off my desk to someone else. What's your opinion about these? templates and do you think there's one that is the nirvana of briefing
0: yeah i think i think the thing it comes back to the language firstly the the most important audience that should be asked this question is the creatives because they're the ones that have to work with it so for me you know working at bbdo there was 800 people there there was 38 creative directors I actually adapted my process to help them get to the answer they want. Because an art director, creative director versus a copywriter, creative director, totally different base, want totally different types of briefs. So you have to adapt to almost like back to the evolution, adapt to the environment that you're given or, or the person who's receiving it. I think it all comes down to a language thing. and. You can call it what you want, and that's why that Rosetta Stone is really important. The main thing is, is if the brief doesn't hold a place for the consumer problem, the consumer goal, and the single-minded proposition, um, and target audience, that those four boxes need, or those four boxes need to be on there, um, and. I don't care what you call them. That's why I love the get who to by because it's stripped down. It's just those four boxes. Yeah. That's why I think it's a fantastic brief. Call it what you want, change it into whatever language you want, and you can put all the rest of the information in there. But that is the four things that a creative really needs. Everything else you go in, in the appendix. But I don't have a problem. If you want to create your own agency IP and create your own um, briefing template, do that. Don't don't put that on the client though. I don't think the client needs to be filling out your um, brief. But the problem is is even the get who to buy. Junk, if you put junk in it, if you think it's a tax return and a tax file return and you put junk in, be expected to get junk out. It's really, it's so easy to abuse those formats. Uh, It's really, and that's the job of the strategist. It's the words that go into that format. And I think for a lot of, and, and I'll tell you where it actually, the, the, brand, the changing of the brief comes from is uh, the CSOs often. A new CSO will come in, they'll want to show that they're making an improvement straight away. The very easiest thing to touch and to change is the creative brief and have an impact over the whole agency. So a lot of creative, uh, a lot of chief strategy officers come in and that's the first thing they change and it's a massive mistake. It's never good because you're, you're changing the way the creatives get to idea and get their head around the concept. Uh, But it all comes down to the fundamentals. Again, if you know the fundamentals, you can work within any brief format. If you know the key pieces and and have clear definitions and articulations yourself, you're going to be fine. It's when people don't have clear articulations and they're just looking at other briefs and trying to kind of glue it all together and think, oh, someone wrote that there. So this is the box where I put the thing that sounds like the inside or what I think an inside is. Trinity P3.
1: What I'm um what I'm getting from this is like a much more effective way of working, particularly for marketers, you know, because one of the things that I I felt when I saw that research about the gap between marketers thinking they're good at briefing and agencies thinking they're not, was that people must be communicating on totally different levels and you've just explained to me why that's probably true, you know, that there are different perspectives. At the time I I had a conversation with, uh, with some people and I said, when I go to my lawyer, I don't go with a fully written legal brief. I go with a problem. Right? When I go to my doctor I go with a set of symptoms that are annoying me. when I go to my accountant I go with a you know a problem or a need and then they ask me a whole series of questions and from that develop a solution or a plan for me you know whether it's a treatment plan for my doctor or my um a financial plan or something like that. And I said, I don't understand why this can't work the same way. But the way you're describing it here, it's exactly the same thing. You know, sure, the marketer should spend some time getting their thoughts down on what are the objectives and the business problems and the the opportunities and, and the constraints and, you know, the timings and all of those tangible things. Yeah. But you really are then going to an agency and a strategist to then translate that and and reframe it in the in the perspective of the consumer, aren't you?
0: Yeah, I think I think it also comes down to the confidence of the strategist as well. So when I was at BBH we won the PlayStation uh, account and, and were launching the PlayStation 4 and a lot of the information, you know, had the, they had the key information in there, which was the business problem, business goal, uh, the target audience, budget, timings, KPIs. That's that's what I think are mandatory on the marketing or client brief side. They had a lot of that, but then they had a lot more information around the uh, target audience and actually had almost the start of the insight uh, in there. And we, um, at BBH, we're, we're confident as strategists. So we're able to take that information and say, I think you've actually gone most of the way there. You've got the consumer problem in here as well. Um, Which tended to be, it ended up being around, uh, it's called greatness awaits. It ended up being around that the the greatness you feel playing video games. So the greatness you feel winning FIFA 21 is um, in culture is not as legitimate And those emotions aren't as legitimate as your, uh, you know, local, winning your local indoor soccer team with your office colleagues. That's something to celebrate where winning FIFA 21 wasn't, and you're still feeling the same emotions. And so we wanted to validate those emotions were the same at the end of the day, they're the same. And so that, that's where it came from. But a lot of the research actually came from the client and I think the, thing for me that i learned from that and and when i uh, i followed that that BBDO was if you're confident in your skill set then you should feel confident taking that research from the client and and understanding when you've got all the right pieces there and just connecting them together and kind of getting out of the way i think with that research one of the things that i would say is you know the reason we might say ten percent of clients are really shocking at writing creative briefs. Is maybe there's a bit of a threat there that strategists see their role of, especially if you only see your role as writing a creative brief, which it legitimately is a big part of your role. If you think that that's being taken away, maybe strategists will be cut out of the next. um, you know the next retainer conversation. Maybe we don't need as many hours from a strategist. So I, I would say underlying there might be that threat as well. But to reduce a strategist role, there's so much more a strategist does um, than just write creative briefs. If you reduce it to that, then I, I think that might also be one of the reasons that number was so so different, especially clients who've come from creative agencies or who've come as strategists, I think they can write a creative brief. I don't think the only person who can write a creative brief is a strategist, but I think you need to understand the fundamentals before you write it.
1: So, Julian, have you heard of a, it's a small book by a guy called James Webb Young called A Technique for Producing Ideas. Have you, have you ever seen that book? No. I would absolutely uh, recommend, because James Webb Young was uh, part of, He was one of the people that expanded J. Walter Thompson around the world, right? And he produced this little book. And what I love about it is that it, it breaks it... The idea generation comes down to some very basic steps. The first is... Um, understand what the problem is and then spend a lot of time researching it. He said, you know, if, it, if you're working in an agency, go and work in the client's stores if they have stores, you yeah? know, go and find out. He, he uses all the examples like the, um, the famous Ogilvy, you know, the Rolls Royce ticking clock, you know, we always wanted to f- fix that and, yeah, you know, how ideas come... Yeah. And he said, once you've done all that research, consumer research, you know, um, in, um, client research, whatever then give yourself time to let your subconscious work through all of these things Mm. and then the idea will come, right? And I love it because of its simplicity, but I also love it because it takes us back to some very human things, which is that creativity is not A, B, C and it's not one plus one equals two. It's when we find those different patterns and they're things that take time and effort, not just, um, you know, a process. And I think it's really insightful. If, if, you can't, um, if you can't get your hands on a copy, let me know, because I, I bought like a dozen of them and I give them to people, so I'll send one to you. But I well, think it's, uh, it's a really good way of reminding ourselves about our humanity and the way that it applies to uh to developing strategies insights and and ideas
0: yeah i i love that and i think it's true it i i think it's true for strategists as well because my my time would always be the 3 a.m bed thoughts of like you know go to bed and this is what i I suggest to all strategists is like do all your research and then either go for a walk have a shower or for me who's bed and 3 a.m the the links would ding. connect ding for the first time. And that's, and if you think that is the, um, the back to the definition of an insight, which is a revelation, a revelation because you're connecting two wires that have never connected before and you get that light bulb moment. And there's actually, you know, another place we find insights is, um, Reddit R shower thoughts because it's exactly that. It's a, a shower thought is thinking something that. Seems like so obvious, but why hasn't no one else said this before? That's like the, it kind of comes back to to that point again as well.
1: Julian Cole, I'm so sorry, we've run out of time. But if there's people listening that are strategists and are interested in being finished at the Strategy Finishing School, how would they contact you?
0: Excellent. So they would go to the website, strategyfinishingschool.com, and for they've loved listening to this and they're really interested in learning those fundamentals and keeping their career going. I've got a uh, 25% discount for listeners here. So if they use the discount code TrinityP3, they'll get a 25% discount off the course. So they can go there, but it teaches creative briefing, insights, comms planning, uh, business strategy, and a whole lot more. We've had over 4,000 strategists through already. And... They're from all types of agencies, client side as well, media, um, pharma, B2B, creative agencies and freelance and consultants as well. Well, that's very
1: generous of you, Julian. Thank you very much. Now, look, before you go, I I can't let a podcast go past without talking about AI because everyone's talking about it. And here's the thing. I was looking around and I found goodbrief.io where there's an AI that you just put in the parameters and it'll write your brief for you. Do you think this is the future?